Hi, and welcome to Sober Chicks Recovery. I'm Lisa. Hi, I'm Julie. And this is podcast number two. Woohoo! After train wreck of podcast one. Actually, it wasn't a train wreck, but I listened back to it and was horrified at some of the things I said. That will lead into our disclaimer, which we should probably do at the beginning of every single podcast. That's a very good idea. So this is Lisa and Julie, two sober chicks living in recovery and sharing with you our personal experience about what that means to us. We are not representatives of AA. We don't speak or claim to speak for Alcoholics Anonymous or any other recovery institution or facility um, that people might see us at or know us at. We are just speaking from our own personal experiences. Um, so hopefully you find something that gives you strength and hope in these talks. Or a laugh. Yeah. And or a little nugget to take away. And if not, you don't have to listen. <laughs> no, you can turn us off right now. <laughs> and there might be the occasional swear word. Maybe. Sorry, Joyce. I don't swear ever, just so you know. Yeah, right. Okay. All right, so you said that after our first oh podcast, which was our very first podcast. Yes. <laughs> my head is in my hands right now as I shake my head. So yeah. I listened back to our podcast because someone asked me to send them a link. And I heard a couple of things that I was horrified at. Uh, one of them was when I basically said uh, that I, I, just, I didn't say I felt sorry for. I don't remember the verbatim what I said. I felt bad for people that don't have a program of recovery. Mm-hmm. Which, which, let me just jump in and say, I often hear other people say, and it's based on their experience. I don't know about you, but I've said this too, based on my own personal experience because of what my life was like without a program. Precisely. That's what I was referring to. I was projecting my own experience of not having a design for living on people that are not in recovery, which isn't necessarily true because there are a lot of people that employ uh, very spiritual practices in their daily lives as their own design for living that are not in recovery. So that was the first one. And I linked it up with higher power and basically how people who don't believe in a higher power um, have no moral code, which is <laughs> That's insane. not judgy. No, That's not, not at judgy all. at all. Couldn't believe it when I heard it back um, because I know a lot of people that are agnostic or atheistically inclined that have a very strong moral fiber because their moral fiber is based upon the love or respect or humanity. So I was absolutely categorically Ronnie making that statement. And then the last one was a family member heard what I had said and called me and was like, oh, I heard your podcast. So that was actually when I went back and listened to it. You were like, oh my God, someone listened. Well, I had to examine what I have a right to share. Where does my right to share my personal experience infringe upon the rights of people who did not give me consent to bring them into the conversation? So at that point, I also realized that if I am talking about interfamily dynamics, um, it can be this family member or within my family as opposed to this person or that person. So really good learning experiences, uh, really good opportunity for me to sit with shame or embarrassment um, and deal with my ego. So as much as this is great and we came together to do this for fun and for sharing, I'm learning so much emotionally from what's going on here when we do come together to do this thing. Cool. Yeah. And we actually weren't expecting anyone to listen. You know, if they do, they do. And if they don't, they don't. Um, 
we really decided that this was just for us. Yeah. And if it um, helps other people or other people get something from it, then great. Um, and for me personally, I can talk about my mother all I want <laughs> <laughs> because she divorced Facebook years ago. Oh, perfect. So she'll never hear this. So get ready for some good Mary Lou stories. Yes. Bring it. All right. So this is uh, Sober Chicks in Recovery. We've covered our disclaimer. We've covered our last podcast with apologies. Shame and... hangovers. <laughs> Shame hangovers. Wow. But you haven't had one of those in a really long time. Oh, no, I had one recently. Oh, really? Yep. Do tell. It was that, uh, oh, God, I actually shared this in a meeting, and I spoke with you about this last week, about my conduct and behavior when I was under the influence of a sleeping pill, which I since then um, had the realization that I had to flush them down the toilet because I'm such an addict that anything that makes me not of sober mind and body has to go. This is a hard one for a lot of people in recovery to get, especially if they come into recovery um, thinking that they have one addiction, whether it's alcohol or some other kind of, or there's Narcotics Anonymous, there's CA Anonymous, uh, all these different things. So they come in for one, and then if they keep using other things, it's sometimes a, a tripping point for them. Yeah, it's a really sticky territory because... In my opinion, there has been a lot of misinformation and misguidance around people that come into the rooms and are told not to take any meds when it's a reality for many people that you have to take meds or that meds are needed in order to just function at the level of a normal person because that person's brain chemistry is not the same as a quote-unquote normal person. So uh, there was a speaker at a meeting, one of our friends, who said that from the podium and I loved it because I think it validated a lot of people's concerns because she was able to see in her daily life how people were becoming suicidal or psychotic because they were told in the rooms not to take their meds. Right. In my case, it wasn't a situation of something I'm taking um, as another addiction. My case is every once in a while I suffer from insomnia and for me, it was more important that I took a sleeping pill and felt well rested because I become very emotionally unstable when I don't. But once I had this, it was basically a blackout. And once I realized the next day what the words and the things I had said and texted and messaged to someone, um, I made a personal decision that it felt like I was an alcoholic again because of that groundhog day experience of like blackout horrified at what I had said shame hangover that I decided to flush them and I'll just have to deal with my insomnia as it comes Mm -hmm. the shame hangover the shame hangover I remember back to years ago before I got into Alcoholics Anonymous and got sober again um, the drunk dialing calling people and not knowing like that's a blackout for me is doing, I'm not passed out. I'm doing things. I'm still doing things, but I have no control over my actions. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know the mess I'm creating because hopefully if I did know, I'd stop and put the brakes on at some point, but no control. It's like an out of body experience, but you don't experience that until later when people start telling you the stories you know going into work the next day people are laughing or you know the water cooler talk Mm -hmm. where everyone's talking and laughing around the water cooler and you come around the corner and hey what are you guys talking about and it's you Mm. they're talking about from the party the weekend before 
and you don't remember. And they're saying, hey, remember when you offered to give so-and-so a blowjob? Oh my for God. rent because <laughs> oh you had a, you had a fight with your girlfriend and you didn't have a place to stay no <laughs> and you want to crawl into a hole oh. you want to curl up and die and you can't remember this situation yeah and yeah and they're laughing at your expense but they don't in the, it's not malicious you did it you said it but you just don't remember you said it um and i i think oh wow if i had have been you know in the psychological logic of an alcoholic I thought, wow, if I had have been an alcoholic when there were cell phones instead of just telephones, at least then I could look back in the history and know who I had to call to make an apology to. But just with the old, you know, landlines, there was no history. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't know. And then I'd bump into somebody and wonder why they weren't talking to me. <laughs> I'd be like, hey, wow, she gave me a cut eye, dirty look and went the other way. Yeah. Wonder what her problem is. Yeah. And then, you know, I'd find out later. Her problem is you and what you said to her the yeah. night you were drunk and you called her seven times in the middle of the night or whatever. Yeah. I so. never had to experience that on, um, on a public level, I guess I should say, because I was so isolated. So there was no less shame associated with what did I do in my blackout? Cause there were little things I could figure out, like how the truck was parked or if McDonald's is in the garbage or whatever the case or what receipts were in my purse so it was done in a very isolated closeted level but still kind of just the horror like who knows what I would have said to the cashier at the drive-thru at McDonald's how did I even get through the drive-thru oh yeah and Frightening. how did my husband not wake up yeah and what is why in my stepdaughter sleeping what if she came out and saw me coming in like who knows ugh so grateful that I don't have to have that way of living anymore anymore not anymore well listen the great thing about podcasts is that we're going to end this one but you can click and download another one and just you know binge out if you want yeah. this is a safe Healthy way to binge binging. <laughs> and you know why I know it's time to end because the cat's at the door and wants in <laughs> <laughs> this has been two sober chicks in recovery I'm Lisa I'm Julie have a great 24 bye